Today is one of those fun Sundays in Lent where we get both the Ten Commandments and Jesus getting angry in the temple. So there's a lot to chew on, and uh, it's not necessarily fun and games today. Uh, I like to call, I like to call uh, Jesus casting out the money changers his temple temper tantrum. <laughs> so um, when I was in seminary, so often, I don't know why it came up, but so often it came up that we would talk about anger and, you know, bad feelings and all of that. And people would say, well, even Jesus got angry. He cast out those money changers, remember? So anger's okay. And I remember thinking, do we always need to have Jesus be okay with it if we are going to do it? Um, and it just felt a little funny to me. But I will say that um, we're reading the season for the Spirit in our in our Lenten book series. And sure enough, something on anger came up and how anger that is directed towards love or for the sake of love, when you're angry about how things are in the world, for instance, uh, that hurt others or oppress others, that's a good anger. And you shouldn't stuff it down and think that you have to be always polite and good uh, in order to be okay with God. God wants you to channel that anger. And if... And sure, I'll take that seminarian's message. If Jesus can do it, so can we. That's what I want to say about anger. Um, so I wanted to say a few things about the, the money changers and the people selling the sheep and cattle. They weren't necessarily jerks. Um, they were doing things that were kind of necessary. So if you recall, back then... People, you know, the money in the land were Roman coins, and sometimes people brought Greek coins, and on those coins were the face of Caesar. And sometimes there were even uh, writings in Latin that said, you know, Caesar is our God. And so those coins were considered unclean, and you couldn't take them into the temple at Jerusalem and put them in the offering plate, because they had the image of another deity in effect, and Jews only worshipped God. So those money changers were basically, you would go up there with your Roman or Greek coin to this money stand, and they would give you basically tokens, temple tokens, so that you can go in and put those tokens in, and those tokens were worth whatever denarii or whatever you had paid for them. Does that make sense? So it's, <laughs> it's not a good analogy, but it's sort of like chips in a casino, you know? <laughs> so they, they, they represented something else and then didn't defame or... or, or um, make dirty the temple. So that was a good thing the money changers were doing. They probably skimmed a little off the top, but it was for a good cause. And then in terms of the lambs and the calves and the sheep and all of that, um, you may recall that in the Old Testament, it talks about bringing sacrifices to the temple and it has to be an unblemished calf or an unblemished lamb. Well, these people are coming for Passover from all around like 50 miles, 100 miles, and you don't carry a calf or a sheep or a lamb that far and not expect it to get kind of dirty. So instead, you go to the temple and here are these, you know, Westminster dog show worthy kind of sheep and, and lambs and calves looking good. And you buy those. You take those into the temple and sacrifice them to God. And it is, you know, it creates a pleasing odor to God, as they say. So they weren't necessarily doing bad things. Okay. <laughs> so why does Jesus get mad at them? Here's where I'm going to get into a little bit of biblical exegesis. 
So you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke together are called the Synoptic Gospels? Well, you know now. And then John is the fourth gospel, but he's sort of an outlier. You know, he's got a lot of different things he talks about, and his, he's very kind of poetical and kind of up in the air. So the three synoptic gospels were written before John, and all four, all four gospels had the casting out of the money changers, which is kind of a rarity. You don't have that many stories that go across all four. So in the three synoptic gospels, this story comes near the very end of Jesus' life. It's basically the last straw for the Jewish leaders. They see him doing this in Luke, Mark, or Matthew, and they say, that's it. That's the last straw. We've got to get rid of this guy. So, that's how that happens. Um, however, and the other thing is, in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus only goes to Jerusalem one time, and that's that last time to go where he's killed. In John, he goes there three times, and this casting out of the money changers is on his first trip it's in chapter 2 of John. And so, what's going on that's not the last straw? In fact, the Jewish leaders don't come up to him and say, what are you doing? How could you do this? Because it was considered that when the Messiah came, the Messiah would kind of cleanse the temple of any impurity and make it right. So when they say, what authority do you have to do this? What sign are you going to show us? They're basically saying, you're coming here acting like you're the Messiah. How are we supposed to believe you? They're not saying, how dare you do this? They're saying... Prove to us that it's okay that you did this, that you're the Messiah. So that wasn't the last straw for them. Well, in John, in John, the last straw is when he raises Lazarus from the dead. They see that and they see all the people like, wow. And they think, we got to get rid of this guy. He's too strong and he's not one of our boys. So, very interesting difference. <clears throat> Which leaves us with the question why did Jesus do this? Okay. So remember that the Gospel of John is the last Gospel written around the year 90. Now that Jewish temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70. So by the time this is written or being heard or being read, it's over. So the story talks about it like it's happening right now, you know. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So there's this whole thing of like, what's well, already gone and we're hearing this story. This is what must have happened. And... After the temple was destroyed, the Jews focused all of their kind of worship and faith on the temple in Jerusalem. That was their kind of locus of faith. And when that was gone, they kind of scrounged about, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to show our faith as in, in unity? And they eventually wind up with synagogues, you know, around everywhere. And the Torah, you know, the first five books of what we say is the Bible. So that becomes their focus for their faith, synagogues and the Torah. Christians, in the meantime, are tooling about thinking, well, that temple is destroyed. We're not Jews. We're Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians. Where do we locate our faith? And they decide they locate their faith in the body of Christ. Remember, Paul says, we are the body of Christ. You're an arm. You're a leg. You're an eye. You're an ear. And so they locate their faith in community. The body of Christ as in communion up at the altar, but also the body of Christ as in our community. And that becomes their centralized place of faith. So, I'm, this is a long way of getting to my main to answer my question. Jesus is casting out those money changers because the temple has become so focused on ritual and worship that in some ways it's forgotten God. 
You're making my father's house a marketplace. You're exchanging money, you're exchanging cattle so that you can do these acts of ritual and you're forgetting about loving God. You're forgetting those Ten Commandments, basically. People will come from everywhere at Passover to do these things and they'll go through the motion and they'll go back and they'll be jerks to their neighbors. That's not the point. Along those same lines, I'm going to talk about us today. Sometimes in our churches, sometimes even here at St. Luke's Los Gatos, God forbid it should happen here. Um, we worship the worship, and we don't worship God. And um, I'm made aware of this this week because we're starting to talk about Holy Week, and what are we going to do, and when are we going to have incense, and when won't we have incense, and we've got to make sure this procession from the park goes just this way. All this stuff, I'm, I'm a little bit pulling my short hairs out. And thinking, oh, what's this going to be like? When in effect, what Holy Week should be about is we're reminding ourselves of the story of the last week of the life of Jesus and remembering that we are saved and we need to act accordingly. And when we get caught up in all the minutia of things, you know, the installation service last week went beautifully in large part because we did pay attention to the ritual. How are we going to do this so that it runs smoothly? But I think the message of joy and celebration was also there. And you don't want to lose that. So Jesus, in his sort of harsh way, casting off those money changers, is saying, stop worshiping the worship and worship God. And it's a message for us today, especially as we're trying to figure out which Sundays do we have incense and which Sundays don't we have. I feel like a dork because I'm saying, well, the first one we won't, and the second one we won't, and the third one we'll do light, and the fourth one we'll do incense. And it, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. But let's not focus so much on that. Let's remember that we are a community, and we are the body of Christ. And that is the main point of coming to church at all. If you come here for the incense or the not incense, if you come here for when the sermon is preached, okay. But don't stop there. If you come here because you like when we ring the bells... If you come here because you, uh, I don't know, like the organ music, well, that's actually worship as well. But um, just be careful. Worship God. Don't worship the worship. And let's not fall into that trap here, especially in Lent. Let's be more mindful of how we're called to have a relationship with each other, which, in effect, is a relationship with God. And having a relationship with God means we have relationships with each other. So, casting out of the money changers, that by God. Our worship here today, let us remember where it should be directed. Amen. Amen. Amen.